1: There's a difference between taking a risk and being foolish. There's gonna be good risks, but good risks have good strategies.
0: So it's important that as a married couple, that you're making these risks and decisions together. Once I had children, living in a third world country was not part of my life plan, and I was not willing to take the risk. Things that I never thought I would have, but because I was willing to sacrifice, God gave them to
1: me. God doesn't lack resources. He lacks risk takers.
4: Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really wanna stay connected in your marriage.
3: And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you.
4: I'm Adam King.
3: And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling, And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them.
4: So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple Podcast. This episode is going to be about how to take risks as a couple.
3: And we are so honored and privileged to have two very special guests with us today. Uh, Pastor Stephen and Rachel Jones, they are missionaries to Roatan, Honduras. So welcome to the podcast, guys.
4: Yeah, glad to be here.
3: So glad to be here.
4: Actually, we're honored to be guests.
3: Exactly. We're we're guests in their home right now. So if you hear tropical birds in the background, it's because we're sitting on the island of Roatan. And um, it's, I think, quite fitting that we're recording this at the end of our stay here because we've been able to witness you guys in action, taking risks every day. We're seeing the fruit of the risks you've taken for the past several years. And we're so thrilled to have you share some of those stories with our guests, uh, with our listeners on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, we've uh, we've been so honored to have you guys. It's been a really fun week.
0: Mm-hmm. This is the, I think the first couple that is our friends that we grew up with since we were little kids to mm-hmm. come visit us on the island. And mm-hmm. so it's very, very special and we appreciate your risk in coming here during COVID season <laughs> and also leaving your kids at home with grandma. Mm-hmm. It really means a lot to us that you guys came to visit us here.
4: Well, it's all our pleasure. And it's really awesome to witness um, what has been built here. Mm-hmm. We're kind of coming, I told Stephen and Rachel, I said, we're coming at the end of the harvest, not the end of the harvest, but the start of the harvest, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like the trees are beginning to bear fruit.
3: A lot of labor has and been put in.
4: And I'll tell you, uh, Primera
1: Iglesia, Iglesia Apostolica.
4: Thank you.
2: <laughs>
4: Working on my Spanish here. Um th- this church is uh world class. It's yeah, it, is it is absolutely beautiful and the coffee shop, let me tell you. Woop woop. Coffee Cafe
3: 314. Yeah,
4: coffee and Jesus go together. <laughs> if you didn't know. And so uh, they have this beautiful coffee shop, and it's really neat to watch people of influence and uh, just normal, hardworking people uh, all coming to this coffee shop. And uh, just last night, we had uh, a couple of couples that were having coffee and then just decided, hey, let's go to church.
3: Well, they heard the the music practice going on. Rachel was singing and... Um, They had some musicians playing and and they heard it. And so they came down and they stood in the doorway and they said, we felt the spirit of God as soon as we walked through the doors. So neat to see that happen.
4: So if you can't, if you can't tell, we are really excited what these, these guys are doing.
0: Oh yeah. It's (laughs) really cool stuff. You know, going to the coffee shop, you have a vision, Mm -hmm. but it's really neat to see it come to fruition. You know, we're seeing that connection with the coffee shop to the church Mm -hmm. and it reaching the community and reaching people that we would have never reached had we not had the coffee shop.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: So I'm excited to
0: see what happens. The Bible studies that come from that. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. Because the coffee shop's only been open for how long? Uh almost two weeks.
1: No, two weeks today. Two weeks today.
0: Nice. That's so
3: cool. And so much has already taken place in two weeks. Yes. I mean, not I mean, business wise, financially, but also so many connections, so much influence, so much potential that's ahead because of the wisdom you guys put into that coffee shop.
4: So maybe let's uh, rewind a little bit so the listeners can kind of hear some of the backstory. Yeah. But you guys weren't always missionaries.
0: No. Our <laughs> yeah, story no. involves a lot of different avenues to bring us to where we are today. Yeah.
3: Well, let's rewind back to we, we want to hear the story of the island, but we also want to hear your story as a couple. So, why don't you guys just take us back and give us a brief overview of like when you got married, when you started studying for ministry. Um uh, maybe let's just start at the beginning there.
1: Um wow, that's a it's a throwback. We got married in 2010, okay. July 31st. Mm. We've celebrated our 10 year this last year. In the, Congrats. Of, in the middle of COVID, it was so romantic and it was so special.
0: We had a one month old. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um I don't think we would have imagined 10 years ago that we would be celebrating our 10 year anniversary with a one month old in our bed with us, but (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of unknown variables Uh, that when you get married, um, married in 2010, almost immediately within, you know, 12 months, we packed up and moved to Missoula, Montana to help my father-in-law and my mother-in-law plant a church there Okay. and um, some unforeseeable circumstances uh, abbreviated that trip mm-hmm. and at the council of some really important and special people in our life they suggested that we return home and uh, recalibrate mm-hmm. just our lives and ministry and get settled and anchored and then um just kind of see how that plays out so we came home in 2011
3: and home was sacramento
1: sacramento yeah Mm -hmm. and uh we began um working we began working jobs Mm
3: -hmm.
1: um and also participating in ministry but
3: what were you guys doing to prepare yourselves for ministry at that point
1: uh rachel and i both I uh, graduated with bachelor's in, in Christian ministry from Wilson University.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I went on to um, complete my master's degree in Christian ministry from Wilson University. Mm-hmm. And so we were doing everything that we knew at the time academically to prepare ourselves for mm-hmm. the challenges that would um, lie ahead of us. Yeah. Um, as much as you can prepare for things ahead in ministry. Cause
3: you knew God was calling you guys to do something, but did you know quite what well yet?
0: for both of us? Academics were always very important mm-hmm. growing up. We both did very well in school mm-hmm. and going to college and university was always something that was a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, now picking the degree definitely changed over time. It evolved. Like okay. it, my first choice was to be a teacher. His was political science. Mm-hmm. But you were working at the Capitol too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I was. He was
0: getting his degree in political science and I was getting mine in liberal studies to be Uh a teacher. And that was the path that we were on when we got married. Okay. Now, when we both got married and we had some really heart to heart conversations, it came to the surface that we both felt deeply called to ministry Mm -hmm. enough to where we would say, okay, these careers probably aren't going to come into fruition. We probably need to look at this and- Maybe decide what we're going to do and change this. And okay. at the same time, Wilson University was growing and really doing so awesome. And so we said, well, why not we just go to Wilson University? Yeah. So we were actually the first graduating class of Wilson University. Oh, wow. That wow. was a great honor to yeah, be part of that. That is so neat. And, you know, we got our degrees in Christian ministry, and then Stephen kept going, and now he has his master's in Christian ministry. And so ministry. that was
3: a risk in and of itself to say, hey, this university that we believe in mm-hmm. um, doesn't have graduates yet, but we're gonna go ahead and shift our our degree plan and and go to school here because we we believe in it that much and we know it will equip us that much.
0: Yes, and it did, it yeah. did. And little plug there for Wilson University because it really did. <laughs> yeah, we learned so many amazing things about leadership, how yeah. to counsel people conflict resolution, Mm -hmm. biblical things that I'd never seen before, even though I was raised in church Mm -hmm. and it really did equip us. And so I, I encourage people that if they feel called to ministry, they need to educate themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very important. In fact, our pastor said one of the biggest reasons why he's trusted us is because we had that educational background.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it gives you balance and perspective we will drop a link in the show notes for Wilson University. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you
4: know, we were just talking about um, kind of the art of preaching mm-hmm. last night. Mm-hmm. When it was way too late, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> at least for us when we're getting up early. Um, and we were talking about like the art of like putting something together. Mm-hmm. Do you think that schooling helped you understand how to put together an argument in a preaching way or? How, how do you
1: um, frame that? I think the craft of preaching is a gift from God. I really do. Mm-hmm. The longer I do it, the more I know that God anoints people to be preachers. <clears throat> but university and a framework of an ap- academic setting where there's standards and expectations and there's formatting and there's deadlines, all of those things create disciplines in a student that translate into writing a sermon mm-hmm. or having critical thought or being creative. I think a university can, um, create an environment where that thrives. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think every preacher benefits from, um, an academic setting, no matter what, yeah. I think you can be an excellent preacher without a university degree, but, um, a university degree will not hinder you from being a great preacher. You're not going to be a worse preacher.
0: No, <laughs> no. <laughs>
1: no. you're you only you, going to be better. You
0: Boy. open yourself <laughs> up when you when you educate yourself, and you have to write papers. You open yourself up to cr- critique. Yes, yes. and critique. that's hard to take. Yes, and you write something, and your own bishop writes you back and says what are you trying to say? This is confusing. <laughs> and it really helps you become a better person, helps yeah. you to be more articulate with what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So people understand what you're saying
2: mm-hmm.
0: and those things help you become a better person. Yeah. It gives you a backbone for what you're going to experience exactly. in ministry. Exactly.
4: I think too, um, it broadened the scope of the subjects that I would never have chose to, mm-hmm. to uh, read on my own. Mm. I found myself reading books. that so I'm like, i'm not gonna get anything out of this and then i read it i'm like okay maybe you know mm-hmm. this is good
1: mm-hmm. This is good. yeah i know for sure and i think when you're in ministry um, as a leader you're leading a congregation of people who ultimately want to be better mm-hmm. and so maybe you're leading people that are going to pursue the medical field or law degrees or engineering whatever the case may be mm-hmm. as a preacher leading and showing by example I may not be in your field, but I'm going to exemplify the best version of myself also. And I'm going to have disciplines and I'm going to know what it's like to have a paper deadline Mm -hmm. and have a professor and pay a tuition. Mm -hmm. All of those things help you be a balanced leader because you understand what your people are going through Mm -hmm. as they endeavor to better themselves.
4: Because all of a sudden now you have empathy for the people
1: that are
0: in school yeah, have a paper. Yeah, yeah they have
1: a midnight deadline <laughs> right. and and stay up late and get up early and work a job and do all of those things yeah. simultaneously right it'd be better yeah. right um, they
3: respect you for it yeah and you're, you're going to be a much better leader yeah well-rounded
1: program. and mm-hmm. and understanding totally. yeah for sure
3: yeah so you guys were going to school and then you were involved in local ministry in sacramento mm-hmm. what were you guys doing in local ministry
1: well, a lot of what we've done has been because it was presented to us, not necessarily because we just had a burden to do something um specific. we just had a burden to do kingdom work okay. and so um the the Montana adventure was because there was a need, okay. and we decided. volunteer to fulfill a need. When we returned home, um, there was a need for someone to step up and absorb the responsibility of a church plant in Roseville, California. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a handful of people that needed leadership on site, weekly, faithful, diligent leadership. We were young. Um, We had, she was pregnant with our first child at the time.
0: 25.
1: And, um, and we're just, I, we're just crazy. We just took it on. I was, we were both working yeah. and uh, not making a lot of money, just, you know, scraping by, but wanted to participate um, in the kingdom of God in yeah. some capacity. Brother Young, our pastor came to us and said, "There's a need. Would you consider it?" Mm-hmm. And uh, again, we just we didn't even hesitate. It was just, yeah, we absolutely will. If you feel right about it, then then we feel right about it, and we jumped in mm-hmm. head first. And it was it was an exciting year. We watched the galvanizing of a congregation that um, that was a little disenfranchised mm-hmm. by some things that had happened in the area. And God allowed us partnering with Brother Young and uh, Brother Farrell to um, inject faith into that congregation, mm-hmm. to get them a permanent location, yeah. to stabilize some families that were there. And uh, and it was, I think we, we helped them, but in the process of helping them, we were also helping ourselves. Yeah, for sure.
4: How was that? Like, you know, sometimes people see themselves helping, but what was... What was the thing that you benefited from taking that responsibility on and having to carry that load?
0: You know, I was pregnant and then eventually he was born while we were still there. Jackson was born. And so we had just come back from Roatan after volunteering our time in Roatan for a year. So all of those transitions, I think that it really meeting different people Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and different situations and having to be a leader in all of those situations, hold yourself at a high level of leadership Mm -hmm. in the way you communicate. And also in our relationship with each other as husband and wife Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: being pregnant at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we were driving an hour to go to church every single time. So it was already a
4: (laughs) sacrifice. It was a
0: sacrifice. Everything was a sacrifice and sacrifices always make mm -hmm. you a better person. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Would you say that then, that transition for you guys to go and be the pastor at that congregation was a stepping stone or a kind of preparation for now where you are
1: yeah i don't like um i don't like to view ministry opportunities as stepping stones only because i feel like it minimizes the, the profound responsibility of doing it in the moment and being present. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't think that you were trivializing it or minimizing it, but um, I really wanted to do it well. And it, it developed things in me um, that needed to be developed. Um, you know, it's one thing to preach a message and and teach Bible studies. It's another to be responsible for the eternity of families That are in a room and entrust you with their their souls their well-being and so putting together weekly content taking phone calls hospital visits those things you you learn that there's a lot more that goes on than just pulpiteering And uh, and then oh then you've got to pay rent on the building you're in
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh then you got to buy Sunday school supplies you do that? and uh, yeah that doesn't act, that doesn't appear magically yeah you yes. know
0: actually while we were there we had a lady get a brain aneurysm mm-hmm. we had um, many different situations come up with the building and we were sharing the building with other people and there was a lot of different things that we learned about ministry and about loving people and having Mm -hmm. compassion for people. And we had conflict resolution. (laughs) And even though we had what, maybe 30 people on a given service, sometimes more Mm -hmm. just within that amount of people, we were doing doctor visits and all these different things. And it helped us become better leaders and it helped us become better people.
4: Mm. So you were there for how long?
1: We were there for one year and uh, Brother Young pulled me aside. I'll never forget it. I was very happy there. Um, we were getting ready to move into a new location and Brother Young asked me to meet him for lunch. I brought the plans for the new location because I wanted to show him what we were going to do. And uh, we're sitting at a Mexican restaurant. I could take you to the table. And I laid out the blueprints and the plans. I was so excited showing him my vision for what we were going to do next. And he said, yeah, let's, um, let's talk about that later. I have something else I want to talk to you about. (laughs) Here it comes. He said, um, you, uh, you've been a missionary. Now you've been a church planner and a pastor. There's one more thing that I feel like you need to do to be a complete minister. And I think the season's right. And I think it's, 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 there are doors opening that you don't know about because these men are calling me. And, and I was kind of puzzled a little bit, you know, he said, I think it's time for you to evangelize. Mm. And, and I, I was blown away. I had, I didn't come into that conversation anticipating that,
2: Mm. Yeah. Because
1: because I had already kind of planned out the next six to twelve months of of building the church there in Roseville, and now all of a sudden, I, I'm having to quit my job, find a truck, buy a trailer, mm-hmm. schedule revivals, and it was just it was a lot. Yeah. Um,
4: and so, so what you're saying is he was asking you to take a risk, take a risk.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of risks. <laughs> now that I think about you it. know,
0: and a lot, pretty much all of them re- did go back to our leadership and. Two things, they needed something or they wanted to push us towards something to for us to be better people, to experience more and to gain more knowledge. Those two aspects really were creating risk in our life. But because we had the leadership in our life, we, I guess, really, we just trusted them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So
4: this really brings up an important point because I'm sure you guys sure. have had a lot of people that you've been in touch with that make risks and those risks are like, are you serious? You're really going to do that? Right. So the risk is more of a dumb chance. Yeah. You know, they're just jumping out, and you're like, ah, uh, that's not a good, smart idea. But some of the things you did was also a jump out, and you know what I mean? So, right. what's the difference between a just kind of a hope and a prayer when you just jump, jump. out and do something and you're like, man, that was a bad decision and a, well thought out, but still a risk. Take.
0: Yeah. What's a risk worth taking? Well, going back to the evangelizing, Steven had a minister pray over him when he was, I think 18 or 19 and basically told him you're going to evangelize. Mm. Now he could have went when he was 20 and just told his pastor, I'm going to go evangelize because mm. this is what God told me to do. But that's not how it unfolded. And thank God it didn't unfold that way. Cause we would have never gotten married and different mm. things would have happened. Yeah. And he waited and he was patient and God opened the door. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: I I read a long time ago, um, kind of an abbreviation or an acronym for risk that I think about often. And um, I think it's appropriate. Um, It's not complicated, but risk um, the first, obviously the first letter R is, um, is reality, knowing your personal reality and what you're capable of. I like that. Uh, Knowing the reality you're living in, maybe, maybe having five kids, all of them in diapers and being in a bad financial state with your, your family is not knowing that reality would limit you from, from packing up and going on the mission field. It's Mm -hmm. your reality is not compatible with what the risk you're trying to take. Mm. Um, I is insight and having insight into the risk that you're taking Um, I think people who take risks without evaluating all the dynamics, it's, it's, there's a difference between taking a risk and being foolish, Mm.
2: Mm -hmm. right?
1: Yeah. And, and that's a hard, that's a hard line to differentiate.
4: It could be gray. Yeah. And I think that actually depends though, upon how much a reality you could see, like, do you really see yourself? And that also could bring in another. in this, I don't, I don't know the rest of the acronym, but that's probably why you need leaders in your life.
1: Yeah, that can say, you know, Steven, <laughs> Yeah, you're not
4: seeing reality like I see reality. Yeah, yeah.
1: You're like, they
3: bring insight. Yeah. yeah,
1: insight is key. The the S is strategy. Ah, you need to have a strategy. There's there's going to be good risks, but good risks have good strategies. Mm-hmm. And so build a plan,
3: be practical. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Knowing your reality, having insight and building a strategy. And then finally the, the K is finding people who have knowledge, Mm. who've gone before you who've experienced it, Mm. who know it because for every risk that I take, somebody else already took that risk Mm. and there's people that failed and there's people that succeeded. So my job is to find the people with knowledge, who succeeded and maybe the people who have knowledge and fail too find those people and and say why did it fail for you
0: yeah
1: what was your strategy did you have insight what was your reality these are the things that we we have done that have helped to eliminate catastrophe Mm
4: -hmm. so as you're talking about this I thought of us trying to get out through the coral reefs. Yeah. Taking the boat. Yeah. Like you've been there a few times. Yeah. But you're quick to bring on a, a fisherman. Yeah. With knowledge. With knowledge. Yeah. And say, hey, you want to go
1: fishing with us? Yeah. Cause I know my reality. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and those, the, there's a little, little tiny channel that you got to navigate yeah. through or you're going to wreck your ship.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. We'll be
4: right back to the interview. But first, we want to share something that we are really excited about.
3: So, you know we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations.
4: And that's why we created the Monthly Live Date Night.
3: And Monthly Live Date Night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a QA and a and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy, and we share tools. uh, We have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in, but we really want you to take action in your marriage too.
4: So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details.
0: All right, back to the interview. So it's important that as a married couple, that you're making these risks and decisions together. Mm. And, you know, there was moments where he didn't ask my opinion, Mm. honestly. How'd that go? (laughs) You know, thankfully it didn't go too bad, but I did have a a serious conversation with God Mm. because I didn't want to do the things that Stephen was saying, this is what God's called me to do. This is what our pastors called me to, you know, asking me to do. And I didn't really want to do them. Mm -hmm. Let's be real. I didn't want to pack up. And leave my family and go live in a trailer i didn't really want to go live on an island in a third world country Mm -hmm. um but i knew that god had called me to do things and i trusted my pastor and i trusted my husband and then we sat down and we talked about how is this going to look and what are we going to do and that made me feel better because he was able to say this is how we're going to go about this and we're going to be smart and we're going to, you know, save up money and we're going to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And that really alleviated a lot of the stress that I would felt mm-hmm. about coming to a third world country or when we went to evangelize about having to leave family and go yeah. live in a trailer. You know, yeah. <laughs> you had two kids at the time. right? Yes. And so, you know, he, he took care of me in the way of having those plans mm-hmm. and being able to communicate those plans with me together as a couple and allowing me to ask questions and say, okay, well, what about this? Mm -hmm. And what about that? And we sat down together and talked about those things. And when something didn't seem right, he allowed me to insert my opinion and maybe we tweaked it or changed it a little bit. Right. You received influence from each other. Yes.
3: Yeah. That's so good. Which
4: is really important. If you're going to take a risk, there has to be that trust that he's still going to have your best interests Mm -hmm, in mind. mm -hmm. Yes. And if you felt that he didn't, that would probably be a different story. Like
0: he didn't say to me, we're going to go evangelize, but I'm not going to provide you a home. Mm. He said, I'm going to evangelize, but I'm going to always provide you a home. Mm. And that kept me in a place where I did. I felt safe. Ah. You know, I felt loved. Yeah. And at the time we had a Mm one-year-old, you know, so it was very important that I have a home. Yeah. You know, because women have different needs sure, and it's important that we have that place that we can decorate and make (laughs) cookies in. (laughs) Yeah. It's important. So you guys mentioned
3: earlier and I kind of wanted to um, loop back to it. You mentioned being young, Mm -hmm. you know, here you are with a one-year-old. I think your second child came along right around this time, right?
0: When we were evangelizing, I got pregnant with Ethan and We had him when we were still evangelizing. While
3: Um, you were evangelizing. mm -hmm. Okay, so so you have two boys now. You were pastoring at 25. Mm -hmm. Um, Now you're evangelizing at 20, at this point in the story. Yeah, like 27. Yeah. Yeah. So did you guys get flack criticism for your age as far as like people questioning you or not trusting you? (laughs) Despising your youth.
1: Not when we were evangelizing. Okay. You know, um, we had already in the eyes of a lot of people, um, put in some work. Okay. And so. They respected
3: um, you. Yeah. We, we
1: had some credentials. Mm -hmm. We had, we had some bear rugs, you know, we, we slayed some giants. Mm -hmm. We were by no means experts. We had so much more to learn and it, it was going to be a bumpy road. Um, but we had something to say. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think for the most part, people kind of expect an evangelist to be young anyways. Mm-hmm. How Do, about
3: pastoring though?
1: Uh, pastoring is a different story. Uh-huh. Th- we definitely, um, had to deal with the stereotypes of a young pastor being inexperienced mm-hmm. and not knowing what I've gone through and I've lived more life, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. And I just made up my mind. I was not going to feel offended by that. I wasn't going to feel um in, incapable of pastoring because I was less experienced mm-hmm. in life than the people I was pastoring. Because
4: that was reality.
1: It was my reality. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I, I made it very clear from the beginning. I don't have all the answers, yeah. but God has called me to do this and God will give me the grace to pastor you. Mm. If you will have the a spirit that is teachable, mm-hmm. God will give me grace to pastor you, and together we will build something great in this city. Yeah, and not everybody is capable, spiritually capable, and mature enough to process that.
2: Sure,
1: but mm-hmm. the people that were became incredible assets to our church and we still are have lifelong relationships with those people who are now being pastored by brother and sister pizarro Mm -hmm. and who are great friends of my wife and i also Mm -hmm. um but but we i never we never felt threatened by or or allowed people's preconceived uh expectations of what a pastor should look like Mm -hmm. To limit our love for people and our passion to do the work of God—that's oh, good, so good.
4: So I can't help it, but like mm-hmm. I was just listening. That was your reality. You understood. Your insight was: I'm not gonna. I'm just not gonna let this get to me or take this personal because mm-hmm. I, I am an experience. But I'm gonna do my best to have grace to mm-hmm. understand that and still, you know, bring truth mm-hmm. every single week. Yeah, and then your strategy was. Study hard, show yourself approved unto God. Like I would assume like, yeah. I'm going to bring my best.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Always, always bringing your best. Always.
1: And then surrounding myself with other preachers that have knowledge. Mm-hmm. When, when I'm dealing with, a, uh, a, an unfaithful member in a marriage and they're in our church and you're navigating the complexities of hurt and chaos and pain and the collateral damage of children, I'm looking at a situation. I feel very unqualified to handle. Mm. So I find knowledgeable people. Yeah. I find Mm -hmm. my pastor. I find my Bishop. I find elders in the church. Mm -hmm. And I say, God has called me to pastor this church, but I'm seeking knowledge from you to help me.
3: Yeah.
1: And um, when you bring people in like that, you, you draw your circle bigger and you make them a part of what you're doing, um, it doesn't make you look like a lesser leader. That's right. It makes you look like a bigger leader
3: mm-hmm.
1: when you know what you're incapable of doing. Mm-hmm. I know my strengths, but I also know what I've not had life experience for. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. To do what we do, we do a lot of introspection, mm-hmm. <laughs> constantly yeah. looking in the mirror and saying, okay, what can I do better? And who can I involve in my life or what do I need to read to make myself better? Yes. And sometimes that can be draining, (laughs) but it's necessary to be the leader that God's called us to be.
4: Yeah. So good. I wish more couples and more people made that a habit. Mm -hmm. I think we get so busy with life and some of it's self-imposed. Uh, maybe it's distraction, mm-hmm. which is misplaced value. Mm-hmm. So we're distracted by social media. We're distracted by um, the cares and wants of our of our age. Mm-hmm. So then we don't have time, like in you know before, like actually here, everybody's walking, right? Yeah, you're not really doing much. Well, People the, don't have phones, so yeah. they're walking down the road, so they have time to think.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. It's not comparing yourself to other people. It's introspection. It's comparing yourself to the God that we serve and the Bible mm-hmm. and the verses that we read and saying, okay, how does my life aligning with that in my life? Mm-hmm. Not how is my life aligned with people on Instagram? That's right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Or even just maybe your role model or your hero. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm talking right. about. I'm talking about what, how does your life align with the Bible? Yeah. And mm-hmm. if you're doing that, it's 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 actually easier mm-hmm. because you're not going to fall into insecurities. Mm-hmm. Right. It's so good. You know, because the danger when you do it the other way, you fall into insecurities and you become depressed mm-hmm. because you you can never be someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, that's impossible. Right. <laughs> so, it's just it's not a good way to go about it. Yeah.
4: <laughs> right. 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 So good. So you guys evangelized for how long?
0: Two years? Two and, uh, and a half years? Yeah, a
1: little over two and a half years. Okay. Okay. So
3: give us kind of the next part of the story of oh, evangelizing. This is fun.
1: With the <laughs> next
4: uh table at the Mexican restaurant. Yeah, no, this one was
1: <laughs> a little different. Mm, a lot different. We were at a we were at a, a family retreat um church conference camp, whatever you want to call it. And um brother Urshan, who had just spent a year in Honduras. He had just returned. And uh, there was a, there was, this is the end of 2016, summer of 2016. He had just returned and there was a vacancy back in Rotan where, where Rachel and I had been from 2012 to the end of 2013, two years. We came home to have children, started the church in Roseville, evangelized. Now we're at a church camp Brother Urshan's just returned from being there a year. And um, and there's a void on the island. There's mm-hmm. it, there's a leadership vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, he can't be there anymore. Another need. Exactly. There's a need. Mm-hmm. And um, we are uh, presented with the need. And it's Roatan in Honduras and missions has always been in my heart since we came for the first time. Mm-hmm. Right. We never, I don't think we ever anticipated we never considered the possibility that we would return permanently Mm. we always wanted to be apart but we never imagined um returning with a family
0: yeah and actually it was a it was for me it was a no Mm. an absolute no why once i had children living in a third world country was not part of my life plan (laughs) not at all yeah. And I was not willing to take the risk. Mm. And that, but that void here was touching Stephen's heart. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, it was not touching mine. Yeah. And God had to get a hold of me.
2: Mm.
0: And thankfully, Stephen was very sensitive to that. And he allowed God to do the work in me as his wife.
3: Yeah.
0: And on this occasion, I actually, God, Really worked on me first. And I came to him and I said, I don't want to be the reason we miss out on the will of God in our life. Mm. And if you, you feel called to go to Rotan, I've prayed and I know that God will equip me mm. and I will follow you wherever you go. Wow. And he immediately said to me, Well, God is calling me to go to Rotan. Mm. And
4: you're like, oh, okay. it was
0: it was hard, but I had already done the work in the prayer room, Mm. so I already had done that work with God. Mm. So when he told me that I was ready to say yes. Mm. But it took a while.
3: So, Rachel, what would you say to young women in similar shoes? Not necessarily about going, you know, to an island to be a missionary, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. someone who's feeling that nudge, but maybe they're structured and everything goes the way that they expect it and plan it to go in their life. What kind of advice would you give
0: them? Something that I tell my women here is that perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. And when you're truly walking in love with God, he will help you to cast out that fear. And you have to be willing, though, to fall completely in love with Jesus and the word of God. And you have to let him speak to you fully, fully speak to you. And I remember many times praying and saying, I'm we are not equipped for this. We don't speak the language. We don't know the culture. And a lot of times we hold back. We hold back our past." We hold back even our desires for the future. Mm -hmm. And we say, well, this is my plan. I want the house. I want the wraparound porch Mm -hmm. and the five bedrooms and the car. And you have to be willing to set all that aside for your love. Just like you would set aside for your husband. Mm -hmm. You say, I love you. So this is what I'm going to give up because I love you. We have to do the same thing with God. You have to be willing. I say this a lot of times to women. I had to pick up my cross and I had to follow Jesus Mm -hmm. and I had to be willing to die, fully, Mm -hmm. fully die. So many desires that I thought were so important had to die. And you know, what's interesting is God has given those things to me here Mm -hmm. in the island and things that I never thought I would have, but because I was willing to sacrifice, God gave them to me. And we're sitting in my apartment right now that I got to design Mm -hmm. that is, fully me it's beautiful, <laughs> and, and it's a blessing and I feel so blessed, but mm-hmm. I honestly never thought I would have this. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Never. Now you have an ocean front. Yeah. I'm looking <laughs> wow. at the ocean right now. <laughs> <from my window. laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful. And, and I feel
3: so thankful. You had to take so many risks. You had to sacrifice a lot. Mm-hmm. You had to be obedient. You had to be ready. And
4: all the people that supported the vision, that you have now Mm -hmm. that we're willing to sacrifice. And and that just shows the leadership because there is no, you can't be a leader without people willing to catch your vision and take Mm -hmm. action. Yeah. And because you were willing to put your faith, it really active trust Mm -hmm. and saying, okay, we're going to take you that you're going to give me the desires of my heart
0: Mm -hmm.
4: and put yourself in that place that God could bring those things back to you.
0: Mm -hmm.
4: It wouldn't have happened without that no nope. so and be at with you guys being a team too
0: yeah and you know obviously as my husband he always told me no we're going to have a house for you you're going to have those things um but we didn't know how it was going to unfold or mm-hmm. when it was going to happen
2: mm-hmm. you
0: don't know those things when you choose to follow god fully
2: mm-hmm.
0: you don't no. always know the timeline and he wasn't able to tell me You're going to have a house in a couple months. You know this is what the plan is. Mm -hmm. He wasn't able to always do that, Mm -hmm. and we had to trust each other. And I really, really had to trust him as his wife. Yeah. Yeah.
4: So you guys came to Roatan and moved into a massive, beautifully already
1: furnished church, right?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) Correct that story, please. Because I think a lot of people think that. Wow. No.
1: Yeah. yeah, No. No.
0: to the green room.
1: Well, we got here. So once we agreed to come after Brother Urshan expressed the need and I came on a Hope Corps trip and felt to come, I returned home and we began to make plans. Mm-hmm. So we spent um, six weeks in language school in Costa Rica nice. um, to prepare ourselves. Strategy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My reality was I was not good with Spanish. Um, and so the insight was... Spanish is needed. Mm-hmm. The strategy was go learn Spanish, <laughs> <laughs> and so we found the Spanish Language Institute in San Jose, Costa Rica, and that's where we received knowledge. Mm-hmm. How beneficial and, was that? Like, um, we had a lot of fun.
0: You know, for me, it was a lot. Was Costa Rica's basically a third world country? Also. Mm. And instead of packing up and just coming straight to Rotan, it kind of got all of us. It's
1: in between. It's not third world. It's second world. So it's considered mm -hmm. developing. Okay. So underdeveloped would be third world. America would be developed. Mm -hmm. So developed underdeveloped right in the middle is Costa Rica developing second gotcha. world. So, it's so. Preparation
0: yes. We had our boys with us and it was a good experience for all of us as a family, mm-hmm. because even the, for the Jackson Ethan, it was their first time traveling out of the country since they were like older mm-hmm. and it just got all of us familiar, but we weren't feet feet on the ground in Roatan already wow. having to pastor people. right? Cause that's a totally different experience. And we yeah. didn't want to have to get, straight to Rotan and start pastoring mm-hmm. without that prior experience together mm-hmm. as a family. Yeah. So,
3: so did it also help you learn the language? Oh yes. Yes. I mean, it did. you guys are fluent now. We hear you talking uh, to I'm all your fluent, people,
0: but it, it helped us a lot with grammar and mm-hmm. pronunciation a lot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Gave us, gave us some structure, some Spanish structure. We both took Spanish and high school and in college but if you don't use it you lose it and mm-hmm. so the best way to to learn it and for it to galvanize is for you to be immersed in it mm-hmm. and when we were in san jose we were absolutely immersed in it we're you know. pretty
4: much immersed right now yeah like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah oh yeah yeah you
4: can't get by without speaking
2: a
0: but lot. but you of got Spanish.
3: immersed before like you said you before, before you were immersed in both language and
0: pastoring at exactly the same time. exactly yeah. and it, it helped us just to be more confident because like I said, coming here and not knowing the language Mm -hmm. the first time was one of the hardest things. Yeah, Not being able to communicate. And you're a pastor and you can't communicate to people. Mm. That's so hard.
4: So when did you guys get here?
1: We went to language school in October of 2016. We returned home at the end of November. And, uh, we had December basically to spend time with family, pack up our bags and, and prepare. We landed in Roatan, January, 2017. Mm -hmm.
0: With two little monkeys. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) And, uh, the church when we got here was in, was in disarray would be the best way to describe it. Mm. Um, good people working very hard to try to hold things together mm-hmm. from what was started by our family back in 2012, mm-hmm. which originally obviously started as a taxi ride in 2011. Um, so everything you see and experience here at, at, at uh, our church Um, started less than 10 years ago, Uh the very first conversation. For
3: those who don't know the background, can you give like maybe the 30-second version of the taxi ride? Yeah,
1: there was some uh, mission work happening in Cinguete Peque, which is a little mountain city on the mainland, which um, is a a great little city. But as a a reprieve and a retreat from the work that week, um, some of the preachers decided to come to Roatan, which is 40 miles off the coast of mainland Honduras for a little retreat. And while they were here, they got into a taxi cab, um, taxi 314, which was being—is um, uh, it driven or drove or drove or
3: being driven? Yeah, being
1: driven <laughs> um, by Fidel Ponce. Mm -hmm. Uh, which turned into a conversation, which turned into a Bible study, which ended up his whole family being baptized. And now his... Youngest son is a barista at Cafe 314. So His cool. middle son is the drummer at our church. His mm-hmm. oldest son is a minister, the assistant pastor of our church. Mm-hmm. And uh, their cousins and their family all attend our church, all because of, of a conversation that happened in a taxi 10 years ago. That's
0: so cool. 314. Yeah. Cafe 314. Yeah.
1: Yes, which and that's is, what you
0: named your
3: coffee
1: Which house. is the coffee shop name, yeah. exactly. yeah. yeah. which yeah. was why we named it that.
3: So the church was in disarray. You guys saw a lot of counsel and gave a lot of counsel.
1: Yeah. Our, when we got here, um, our church was in a little green room, maybe 15 by 15 feet. So, with,
4: with air conditioning. No air
1: conditioning, <laughs> no running water. It had a pillar right in the middle of the room. So, if you sat behind it, you couldn't even see the preacher. <laughs>
0: No it toilet.
1: No toilet, mold growing up the walls. It was on the third floor of a building that was dilapidated and about to fall down. Mm. And above us on the roof of the building was a soccer field. So right in the middle of church, we'd have soccer people coming up and down the Gold. stairs. Gold, Gatorade <laughs> bottles, all kinds of stuff going on. A lot of distractions in the happening. Of
0: one of the most dangerous places on the island. Yeah, mm-hmm. a very, a
1: very vulnerable place. Yeah. Anything could happen.
0: Bringing my two children. Yeah. Babies
1: and uh, oh. I think at that time we we were taking the risk, but we didn't uh, fully understand the risk.
0: You didn't realize how big we the risk were. Was. Yeah, we
1: were a little blind to the to the magnitude well, of we the risk. We were
0: just doing what had to be done. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Do you think yeah. God blinded you to the magnitude a bit so that you could have more confidence? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Probably. sometimes. I think I sometimes back, it,
4: like, it's okay
1: to. <laughs> well you have to be careful we didn't know the risk and it worked out but God God gave us grace in that Mm -hmm. um yeah looking back on it now I tell people this often I don't even know why people came to our church
0: no in that area it was horrible babies outside sitting in the dirt getting we had Sunday school outside in the dirt oh my goodness
1: on little plastic chairs when I when I began to think about how discombobulated and chaotic it was. I don't know why anybody would come. Mm. Like, I remember inviting people, hey, I want you to come to our church up in La Colonia and I'd be so excited to invite them. But now I'm like, I'd am. I would, I'd be so embarrassed to take people to that place. Mm. Bro, it,
4: if for you guys who don't know, it is hot. And we're in February right mm-hmm. now <laughs> and it's only oh, 85. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But it is hot. And being outside without anything. I I remember
1: after church, I'd go home and there would not be one thread on my body that wasn't absolutely soaked in sweat. Wow. And it was just, it became normal. It just became normal. to the way it is. The reality. Yeah, it became our reality. Wow. I would never wish it upon somebody. I would never say, I want you to experience that. You need to experience that. Um, they do need to experience it, but I would never wish it upon someone because it's so challenging mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and draining.
4: So give us now, um, you guys came and uh, you guys had some uh, learning to do, but you also built. Yeah. So
1: now. Right,
3: literally. now In
1: April of 2017, we found the property that we're sitting on right now and uh, we had no business looking at it we had no money Mm -hmm. none we had no money but for some reason i just felt so drawn to this piece of property Mm -hmm. i looked at it and uh the man that was showing it to me said if you can come up with the money this week you can have it (laughs) i was like this week dude come on (laughs) give me some time (laughs) and i remember uh, it's just we're just radical Mm -hmm. i made i made a few phone calls to some people that um if if it could happen it was going to happen through them
2: mm. Mm.
3: like you knew they supported the vision how yeah. much
4: how, how, what is the uh like size uh, of this property
1: it's 50 feet wide and it's 260 feet long so it goes from like the main road the main road down to the beach down to the, beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the water yeah it's mm-hmm. not real wide but you we've As you can see we've basically occupied every square foot of buildable real estate it's yeah doable yeah can you
3: describe for those who are listening like what you built here
1: yeah so we built um we built the first level of our church is offices sunday school classrooms and bathrooms etc right when you walk in that's the first uh, level of our building you walk through all of that that's a 38 by 38 square um, and then you walk through double doors into a sanctuary that seats 250 or 300 people. Mm. Um, but we all, we built it all in stages. Mm-hmm. So as we raised money, we spent it. Okay. As we had money, we used it. So and you
3: don't have debt on the building? We have
1: no debt on the building. That's amazing. Yeah. But I, I do remember, and this is a risk, and uh, maybe this will resonate with somebody, but I, I remember feeling so compelled by what God was doing. I did not want to stop the building mm. because we were outgrowing and outpacing every one of our temporary locations. And we were so tired of hanging stringing lights in the ceiling to illuminate a service and and not having Sunday school and a nursery and not being able to provide excellence like we wanted. We were so, tired of that dirty floors and and just sweaty atmospheres Mm -hmm. yeah that's you romanticize about that when you come on a missions trip you're like oh it's so miserable the mosquitoes and the bugs Mm -hmm. and it was so awesome and we were just loving jesus outside and that's fun for one week when you come but like when that is your reality all year you're like no i don't want that for me or for my people yeah like i want running water we want a toilet we Mm -hmm. want we want to feel comfortable at church yeah you can get the holy ghost outside on the beach you can feel god but it's much better to feel god in an air-conditioned room on a padded seat with carpet like that's better i think that honors god yeah well um we we built it in stages and i didn't want to stop and so at one point i remember rachel remember she knows this because i told her later but she didn't know it was happening at the time Mm -hmm. We had been building and building and building, and I had just put all kinds of building materials on my personal credit card, mm-hmm. which totaled twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I, I had received promises from men that were going to help, but they never came through. So now wow. I'm looking at a twenty five thousand dollars credit card bill, and no money to pay it
4: on an island with your kids and your wife,
1: wanting, seeing a vision, mm-hmm. seeing the end result in my mind and in my heart, but not possessing the resources to make it happen. And it was so aggravating, but I I remember pacing the room that night and I lost sleep that night because I had to make a payment that week. And I was just prepared to make a small payment and just get hit with interest and suffer. I was just, Mm -hmm. I was a part of what I was going to do. I went to bed that night. I woke up the next morning and there was a text message on my phone that I had got in the middle of the night from a pastor in the States who had no idea what was happening. And he said, hey, I love you. I support what you're doing. I just want you to know that I put $25,000 in your checking account this morning. Oh. And uh, I want you to use it for whatever you need.
2: Oh my and I remember
1: standing there, sitting on the edge of my bed with big, just hot tears running down my face. And it was like, God just kind of told me, I pay the bills. Mm. You are the steward of the resources I've given you. But i pay the bills and if i've got to stir a man in, a, in the states to fund the vision that i've given you i'll find the money
4: what a faith builder. god
1: god doesn't god doesn't lack resources he lacks risk takers
0: we've had we've had that happen talk about faith builders we've seen people healed of cancer since we've been here mm. we've seen people delivered from demons that Followed them for probably their whole life, mm. so there's been a lot of faith builders. And now, when he says I'm going to do something, as his wife, I'm okay.
2: <laughs> God's yeah, gonna she do
1: does it. whatever I tell her to now. Yeah. She My knows, her, like, I'm a man of faith, very,
0: very <laughs> submitted. <laughs>
3: but God has increased your faith. Yes, absolutely. Since you're
0: submitted to God and His plan. Uh-huh. He has showed us that I give you the vision you say yes and i give you the tools and everything you need to fulfill that vision wow
4: yeah and now now we're sitting in that vision and it's come to reality
1: yeah wow. and it's and beautiful I, and you guys are here kind of for the, a new chapter yeah. we're closing the chapter on on struggle there's going to be more struggle sure, sure. But we're closing the chapter on just the constant grind of mosquitoes yeah (laughs) and and discomfort Mm -hmm. and we've we've arrived at a place where we represent the kingdom of god with excellence and now we're beginning a chapter where our church is receiving exposure yeah we are having deep profound impacts in our community mm-hmm. and local leaders yeah politicians
4: and business and owners God and, is
1: raising up leaders within our church mm-hmm. and um, I don't know what is gonna happen in the next six to 12 months. I, I just know that God has led us here yeah and uh, yeah. he's provided resources and so it's an exciting it's an exciting time it's so
3: exciting it's neat just in the few days that we've been here to see the people respond to what you're doing in the community. You know, they come to the coffee shop, they they get a cup of coffee, they see the excellence that you've put into even just the coffee presentation and mm. the pastries, the bakery, the people, and the decor, I mean, the guy that you guys, Bought the furniture in uh, from, came the other day and they're like, yeah, this is all from my furniture store. And he Mm -hmm. was so excited to see what you guys did with it Mm -hmm. and how world-class it looks.
4: And I love how you've employed multiple people from the church Mm -hmm. and paid them well to do it. Yeah.
1: Which was a big risk. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a big risk in the middle of a pandemic to spend the amount of personal money that we have to... to uh furnish a coffee shop Mm -hmm. and then take on staff and and uh my wife and i don't take any money from the coffee shop yet ultimately we plan to use it to fund the future revivals and Mm -hmm. new church plants and locations but um we've been able to employ six or seven full-time members of our church Mm. um and and pay them well and and watch them be blessed and be, so be able to participate neat. in what god is doing yes and um, that
0: that part of it is so huge because each of those people are now able to provide food for their families mm-hmm. and they're able to go to school when they weren't be able able to go to school before yes. and so six families seven families mm-hmm. are their life is completely different now
3: yeah, yeah. and they're <laughs> realizing their value uh, cause I think from what you guys told us before, they were being paid a fraction of what their service would, would actually be valued yeah, at. Yeah. And they are learning a level of excellence that they've never been exposed to before.
4: But then the people come into the coffee shop and feel the level of excellence and they're probably inspired and mm-hmm. they have to walk past the church doors in order to get to the coffee shop. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So such amazing exposure and, just wonderful to see what God is doing and yeah. humbling to be like a little tiny, tiny, tiny part of it and fly on the wall to watch what you guys have done. Seriously. It's just incredible and exciting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're really excited to to see what God continues to do here. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So we love you guys.
0: Thank you so much, you guys, for thinking to have us on this podcast. Aww. It, you know, We're humbled by that because really we're just, doing God's work yeah. and we're being used of God. And that's mm-hmm. what this is all about. Yeah. And anyone can say, God use me. That's right. Yeah. Y- you know, I want to be used. And sometimes mm-hmm. that means spent, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. <laughs> and, can be spent. and yeah. so that's, sometimes we feel that way, but we keep going yeah. and God gives us the strength.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's right.
0: Oh, well, you guys, okay.
3: this has been so good. good. We're going to um, close our podcast the way that we close all of our podcasts. Uh, we want to ask you two things. One is any resources that you would recommend to people who are in your shoes or similar shoes where they're considering a risk. Um, What are some recommended books or other resources that you would have for them?
1: Um, For me, uh, I'm a regular listener to a variety of podcasts. Mm -hmm. So obviously, Dear Young Married Couple (laughs) is a great resource for risk takers (laughs) And then, um, and then find your niche. You know, there's a variety of resources on iTunes, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, have babies, you know, that can interrupt the podcast. That's always
3: <laughs> that would be baby number three that you guys had yeah. during the pandemic
1: working around nap time,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. And find people that are doing it, yeah, already, yeah. Um, you know. Th- books, podcasts, other virtual electronic resources are awesome, but there is a, there's a powerful dynamic of just human touch and human experience. So, so good. Um,
3: any particular, um, book or podcast that you're reading right now, listening to right now that you'd recommend
0: at the moment, at the moment, no, but You know, I know you guys probably have done this plug for that book before, but the Love and Respect book Mm -hmm. really helped me and the decision making of all these risks that we've taken Mm -hmm. really helped our relationship as a married couple.
3: Yeah,
0: And um, I go back frequently, you know, to read that book over and over Mm -hmm. because sometimes you forget. Yep. So it's a good one. We'll link that as well. Mm -hmm. And Sophia, you want to join? Sophia wants to say Hi. (laughs) (laughs)
4: So we end every, um, podcast with a dear young married couple letter. Um, so if you would fill in the blank, uh, maybe think back to, um, advice you wish you had received at some point in your marriage, maybe the beginning of your marriage and then fill in the blank, dear young married couple.
1: Okay. This is advice I received from someone years after I was married that I wish I had received um before i got married okay and um dear young married couple dear dear let's see how should i say this dear young married couple specifically the man i'm talking to you your wife is a fragile garden mm. and if she's cared for and she's treated with respect regularly, she will blossom and be beautiful. Mm. But if she's disregarded and abandoned, then she will grow weeds Mm. and be unprofitable and she will be hurt. Mm. And so treat her like a, a gentle flower and she'll be beautiful for you. Mm. That came from Dr. Nathaniel Wilson. So good. Mm -hmm.
3: Love that. How about for you, Rachel? Let's see.
1: Serve your husband. (laughs) (laughs) Dear young married couple.
0: Um, No, actually that's good. Um, Dear young married couple as the wife, make the home his sanctuary. Mm. Make the home a place of rest. You know, if you don't know how to cook, use resources that are available to you to always have a meal that's hot and that's tastes good and your kids are happy and well, t- well cared for. Those things will make your marriage w- so much better because your husband wants to be cared for. He's working all day and he doesn't want to hear right when he enters the door. Mm-hmm. Hey, this and this happened today and all the stressors that happen. He wants to hear, I love you. Let me take your coat. Let me get you some hot food and let me serve you. Mm-hmm. That really is the truth. Yeah. And if you will do that, he will take care of you like that garden he was talking yeah. about. It's mutual
3: service. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it.
4: It's through that mutuality Mm -hmm. that you get your own needs met.
0: Without complaining.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I love
3: it, In all caps. Yes.
0: (laughs) And that's a big part of taking risks. Do it with love and without without not waiting for that good job pat on the back. Uh Do it because that's what you're supposed to do, Mm -hmm. not because you're looking for any of those accolades. So good.
4: So good, guys. Well, we love you. Thank you for this. Thank you for uh, allowing us to crash your pad.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: we're so excited about what God is doing in you and through you, and we're looking forward to what's to come, like Stephen said, in the next six to 12 months. But can you imagine the next six to 12 years? It's
2: going be crazy.
4: Mm-hmm. We're,
3: we're just looking ahead to it and we're supporting you guys. We love Thank you. Thank you, we love you.
4: All right, friends, we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at com.
3: No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.